go back to the mission again. So what we were discussing yesterday is we were trying to analyze this price and figure out when we compare different types of tummas to each other, to what extent are we comparing them, right? So we were suggesting maybe it's in terms of how long you are tummy for, to which the Gemara said, it cannot be telling you how long you're tummy for, because both about the Balkari and both about the um, Balkari and what was the other case again? And right so it says about both the balkari and the magasharats and someone who touched a rodent right or a reptile that they are tummy until nightfall so that's not why the torah is comparing the two so it must be comparing the two in terms of how far away they have to leave the machina which encampments they have to leave when they become tummy which the Gemara's response is no indeed it could really be coming to teach you a similarity in terms of tuma, and what's the similarity? The similarity is in terms of their ability to become tame, even if it happened ba'inus, even if their um, contact with the thing which made them tame happened ba'inus, it happened accidentally. So both the balkari, someone has a seminal emission, it, it, they, it is matame even if it's ba'inus, right? Even if there's no ruts and there's no uh, intention to cause this to happen, it still becomes tame until nightfall. And so, too, someone who touches a sheretz becomes tummy, whether or not they intended to touch a sheretz, okay? The Gemara now asks a question. So you're going to have to keep track of the Gemara. The Gemara is basically asking a question now from the Seifa of the Brisa and an analysis of the Seifa of the Brisa, which they think will then inform what the beginning meant also, okay? So Mesve, right at the bottom of Samach Zayin Amabes, Gemara says Mesve, the very last word on the line. Yumar asks like this, the, the end of the Mishnah that we are quoting in Masechtas Zavin tells us, someone sleeps with a woman who is in a state of Nida, right? So it is the equivalent of someone who is a Tame Mesa, has become Tame through contact with a dead person. Lamai, what's the comparison for? Some if it's teaching you that the Toma is similar, you don't need any, you don't need the Mishnah to teach us that it's similar. It actually is explicit in the Torah that a someone who is a Bayal Nida becomes Tame for seven days. And someone who touches a dead body is Tame for seven days. So you don't need a, the Mishnah to tell you that halach is the same in terms of how long they're Tame for. That's explicit in the Torah. It must be that their halacha is the same. That in terms of being sent out from the encampment, they both only have to leave what we call the Machana Hashchina, right? The, the highest level of Kedusha they have to uh, leave from, but not the lower levels. The Gemara is trying to suggest this, because the end of the Mishnah is referring to the Machanaisim, how many encampments they have to leave. Then presumably the beginning is also for telling you how many encampments they have to leave. So the Gemara is asking a question that indeed the similarity between a someone who touched a rodent, right, or and someone who is a Balkari, the similarity really is in terms of how many encampments they have to leave. The Gemara's answer is me, the area, is this really a proof? Perhaps the Reisha has a comparison in regards to one thing, right? In regards to what types of things would make you Tame, even if it's unintentional. And the Seifa is regards to similarities when it comes to how many encampments you have to leave. Mesve, the Gemara asks a question. Mitzayra chamor mizav. A Mitzayra is more stringent than a Zav. Mitzayra is someone who becomes a, you know, has leprosy, right? The spiritual leprosy. He gets sent out of all three encampments, right? And we learned earlier, but the Zav is only sent out of two. But someone who's a Zav who has this sort of a illness where they have a discharge, right? So they are more stringent. Their law is more stringent than the people who became Tomei from contact with the dead body. Yatsa Balkari, 
But a balkari, someone who just has a plain seminal emission, not a, an indication of a uh, some sort of medical condition, then it is chamer mimenu. A tame mace is more chamer than a balkari. Someone who became a tame through contact with the dead is more chamer than someone who had a seminal emission. Mayatza, what when we say that it is excluded, right? What do we mean to say by that? Is it not that a balkari is excluded from the rules of a zub and enters into the rules of a tamay mace? The tamay mace chamer mimenu because the tamay mace is more chamer than it. And still the tamay mace is allowed to go into the machan elavia. It's still allowed to go into the levite encampment. Gemara says like. It doesn't mean that it's excluded from Zav and goes into the category of Tamei Mace. It means it's excluded from the encampment that a Mace is allowed to go into, and it goes into the encampment that only a Zav is allowed to go into, which is one encampment further down. Right? Tamei Mace only has to leave the highest level, but a, tamay, a Zav has to leave two levels. A Metzayr has to leave three levels. We're telling you right now is that a Balkari also has to leave two levels. The Avagab, the Tamei Mace, Chamer And even though Tamei Mace, technically, in, in general, Tamei Mace is far more stringent than a Balkari. And still, it's Mutter B'machan And still, it's permitted in the Levite encampment. To the thing to which it is most similar is the thing to which we compare it. So, a, someone who becomes Tamei through a seminal emission, what's the most similar type of Tumah that one can encounter? It is the Tumah of having a discharge that is a, a condition right? But it's a discharge from the same place. So if the discharge from the same place tells you have to be kicked out of two encampments, so too a Balkari has to be kicked out of two encampments. Somebody once taught a this brisa in front of, or taught a teaching in front of Yitzchak Barabimi. Quoting a pasuk in the Torah, it says that the Balkari has to leave outside of the encampment. This is referring to the highest level of the encampment, which is actually only the Mishkan itself. He cannot go into the encampment. That's one lower down, one level down, which is he can't even go into the Machanelavia, the Levite encampment surrounding the Mishkan. Amalais, he said back to him, says, If the Torah said that he cannot go into the encampment, right, then Obviously, he's not there in the first place, right? In other words, it starts off by saying that then it says right? If it's telling you you have to have left the machana, then what does it mean that and then you and then you cannot come in? Well, if you already left, yeah, you can't come in. Another version is like this: You have not yet kicked him out. I'll say, and then you should figure out whether or not he's allowed to go into it. Ella Ema. So rather, you have to read it differently. Ella Ema Chutz Mi Chutz Lamachna. It says from outside the encampment, Zumachna Levia. This is referring to the Levite encampment. You cannot go into the encampment. Zumachna Shchina. That's referring to the Shchina encampment, the encampment where the Mishkan is located. Maskev Lorvina. Ravina asks a question. Maybe both of them are really talking about you cannot, you have to leave the Machina Shechina and you can't come into the Machina Shechina. Why do you need to say both of these halachas? It's the same thing, it's kind of redundant. Why would it say both? So that there will be both a, a violation of a positive commandment 
and a prohibition that is also violated, right? In other words, there are times in the Torah where we have both, the Torah ex expresses it in the negative, you cannot engage in this action, and it also tells you that positively you have to engage in a different type of action. And what's the purpose of that? So that when you don't engage in that action and you engage in the negative action, you've actually violated both not doing the positive commandment and engaged in the negative commandment. Then all the Pasuk should tell you is, and he shall leave to outside of the encampment and he should not come in. Why does it also have to say, and he will not come into the encampment? To teach you that there is another encampment that he has to go out of, both the excuse me, both the Shechina encampment, the, the Mishkan, right? And so too also the Levite encampment. That's also he has to go out of. Okay. Continuing with the analysis of the Mishnah. The Mishnah had taught us that the Michoi Kravav is not permitted on Shabbos, right? It said that you're allowed to Hadachas Kravav, you're allowed to rinse the, the, like the intestines, right? But you're not allowed to Michoi Kravav, right? What is Michoi Kravav? What's it referring to? My Michoi Kravav, Zakta Gemara, Avuna Amar, Shemenakvin Besakin that they would actually take the intestines and they would cut a hole in it. And then what would happen is that everything that's inside would come oozing out. That you're not allowed to do in Shabbos. Sirka de me'aya. It means sirka is when you take um, like a sharp pencil and you scrape it clean. The nafka agav duchka. That it ends up getting pushed out through the pressure of the knife. Agav duchka the sakina, the pressure of the knife. Amr Abelazar, my timer, the chiyah barav. What's the reasoning for chiyah barav, right? Who says as as is written in the Torah? So it says that the it's a pasuk in Yeshayo, and it says um, the charvis, which normally, which I guess normally means a knife. I'm not sure over here it doesn't mean that. Over here it means I guess the people who are the stragglers, right? Um, they will end up eating the 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 places of where the fats were. My mashma, what does this come to teach us? In the metagram of Yosef, like if Yosef explains. Right, the idea of that the leftovers the, of the wicked, right, the inheritances of the wicked will end up being uh, inherited by the righteous people. And the kvasim, the lambs, will be grazing, right, as kedabram, as it has been said. Right, kedabram really means. The Gemara is going to have a play on words now, but what typically what Kedavram would mean is that in the place of pasture. What it should be read is as as it was promised about them. In other words, this is a promise that the Jewish people will be the lamb, right? And they will end up being eating in the pasture, right? This is, um, I think this is one of the things that the, uh, that the Christians are very into, that it's a prophecy about, about Yashka, right? The lamb. But we obviously understand and correctly that it is and not actually a prophecy about the lamb, it's a prophecy about um, about the Jewish people, right? Not about an individual. My Kimadubarbam, what does it mean when it says it was spoken about them? So that's what it's referring to. This idea that the the people who are wandering will end up eating the the thing that wasted the fatty things. Amrle Rabarava says, if it had been written the things which had become like a chareva, that they are completely emptied, then kidamrit, then it would mean like what you said. And the places that have turned into wastelands. Milsach ritikamrit, you teach it something else. El Amarava, so rather Rava says, Kidrav Khanano, Amarav, like Khanano says the name of Rav. 
In the future, Tzadikim will end up resurrecting the dead. Ksivacha is written over here. And the sheep will graze Kedabram as in their pasture. Ksivacha is written over there. And it's written over there that Bashan and Gilad will end up Yiru, will end up grazing like they, they, they grazed in the past. Bashan ze Elisha. When it says Bashan, it's referring to Elisha. Haba min Habashan, who came from the Bashan. Shnemas, it says, Vayanu Bishafat Bibashan. It says, and Yanai and Shafat were in Bashan. Right? So when, when we say, Vixiv, and it's also written, Hoi Elisha ben Shafat, Ashayatsak Mayim al Yadei Elisha and Elio both resurrected the dead in Tanakh. Right? So what the, what the Gemara is teaching us right now is that in the future, they will also be involved in the resurrection of the dead in Chiyas HaMesim of the entire world. Gilad Zelio. When we talk about Gilad, this is Elio. How do we know? This is Elio Hanavi, right? Elio HaGiladi, right? Because he's from Gilad. It says, Ayem Elio HaTishvi Mitoshavi Gilad. It says Elio HaTishvi, who was from the settlers of Gilad, right? He says to whoever he's speaking to over there. In the future, Tzadikim will be the resurrectors of the dead. It says, In the future, the, the, uh, there will be the elders will be sitting, and the Zikinis and the elder women will be sitting right? in, the, uh, in the empty or open areas of Jerusalem. Right? In the Ish Mishantai, and every person will have a, a, a mishante, right? His stick will be in his hand for many days, right? He'll be old enough that he'll need a stick to walk with. It says, And what do we find, actually, speaking about Elisha, that Elisha takes the staff and ends up using it to, he sticks the staff onto the, onto the, the, the head of the, or the, the face of that baby that he had promised the woman would give birth, that she would give birth to, and then the baby ends up dying. And so Elisha says, don't even do anything. Just take this stick and put it on him, right? Ula Rami Ksiv. Ula says, it, it is a contradiction over here. Ksiv, it's written, Bila HaMaves Lanetzach, right? This is something you might have heard at funerals sometimes, right? At the end of a, of a eulogy, sometimes people say, Bila HaMaves Lanetzach, right? Which is a quote from Yeshayo. And it says that Hashem is going to swallow up death forever and ever, right? Lanetzach forever, right? So this is something that we say at funerals. And this is the Kasaki Gemara is going to now ask a contradiction from. And it also says, also a, a, um, a prophecy in Yeshayo. And it says, when the Nar was 100 years old, he died. Sounds like they will die. So it doesn't sound like death will disappear. It's not a question. Yisraelim will never die in the Mesa Mashiach. But non Jews will still be able to die. One second. What are non-Jews' role going to be in the world to come anyway? It says, it says strangers will be standing there and they will be, and, and our flocks will be grazing. Right? And who will be our, the B'nai Necher, the sons of, the, of uh, strangers, they will be the people who are doing our plowing and the people who are doing, in general, doing all the work in the vineyard, right? Yeah, in Esach is not going to be a problem in those days because no one will, everyone will believe in Hashem. Chizda, Rami, Chizda asks a question. It's written, right, that the, the, the moon's face will be ashamed, right? And the sun will be embarrassed. It's written, 
And it will be that the light of the sun, of the moon will be like the light of the sun, right? This is the famous, famous medrash, or part of the famous medrash, right? At the sun and the moon, when they heard that they're going to be equal, the moon comes to Hashem and when, the beginning of creation, and the moon comes to Hashem and says, it's not okay that we should be equal. One of us has to be greater than the other. Hashem says, oh, okay, no problem. Okay, the sun will be greater than you. And then Hashem makes it that the moon can only reflect light, but is not an independent source of light. The time will come, however, when the sun, when the moon will end up becoming just as great as the sun. But then what will happen is the light of the sun will end up becoming magnified until it's seven times as great. As, as it was in the light of the seven days of creation. Right? This is clearly a, a remez on the idea that seven represents completeness. This is not a question. The difference here is, are we talking about in Yemes HaMashiach or Elam Haba? Yemes HaMashiach is the first stage in after Mashiach comes, that's called Yemes HaMashiach. After that is Elam Haba. We know that Yemes HaMashiach, all of our Midrashim and all of the different things that we have in Gemaras and, and in Nevuas, they're always talking about what's going to happen in the days of Mashiach. But Elam Haba, no eye has ever seen except for Hashem's eye. And that's a completely different Mitzvah. So when we talk about the, the moonlight reaching the same level as the sunlight, that's talking about in um, in, a, in Mashiach, in, uh, Mashiach Tzaitin, right, in the times of Mashiach, when we talk about the sun will be coming seven times its original light, and it will be the light of the original creation that Hashem hid away, that will refer to in the times of Elam Haba. Shmuel says nothing changes in the times of Mashiach except for the fact that the, the non-Jews will no longer rule over us, will no longer subjugate us. Well, if so, then how can you say that this verse that's teaching that the light of the moon will become as great as the light of the sun, it can't be referring to that time period. What are you going to say? Both of them are referring to Elam Haba. One of them is talking about in Machane of Tzadikim. So in Machane Shechina, the light of the of the moon is not going to be is be just as powerful as the light of the sun. But the Machnet Sadikim, the light of the sun will be more powerful. Rava Rami Siv. Rava asks a contradiction. Siv, it's written, Ani Amas I kill and I will make alive. Siv, and it also says, Machatsi, I wounded, Vani Erpa, and I will make I will heal. Hashta Achti Machti. If even he's going to resurrect Marpa Le Koshkin, then certainly he'll also heal. So why do we need to say both them separately? Rather, Kaddish is saying, That which I put to death, I will also keep alive. Just as I have wounded, and then I cause to heal the same person. I will kill, and I will make alive. I might have thought that death to one person, and life to another person. The same way the world operates, that people die and people are born. Therefore, the Pasuk teaches us, I wounded, and then I will heal. Just like the wounding and the healing is all in one person, so do the living and the death is all in one person. From here we see a tshuva, a, an answer for those who say that there's no such thing as right? This is a question that I have been asked multiple times, right? It's probably a question you guys have all had at one time or the other. How do you know that there's resurrection of the dead in the Torah? Where does it say that in the written Torah? That which I will end up killing, I will resurrect. And then afterwards, what I wounded, I will heal. In other words, first I will resurrect the dead, and then I will heal them of whatever blemishes they had when they were alive beforehand, which is a clear uh, pointer at the Medrash that when Hashem 
gave us the Torah at Har Sinai, right? Anybody who had any blemishes, the blemishes were erased, right? So it's a similar idea. When we have this very, very open revelation of Hashem, the physical blemishes will be erased. Okay. To the next Amud, the Hector Chalavav. So the Mishnah teaches us that the burning of its fat, right? Tanya, we learned in a Brice. Amr Reb Shimon, come and see how important the mitzvah is at its proper time period. The burning of the fats and the evarim and the limbs, upadarim, and the other uh, fatty limbs, kshayrim, kalalayla, they're, they're really mutter, you could burn them the entire night. And still, we burn them on Shabbos itself, right? We don't wait until nightfall, even though a nightfall would still be fine. This is the importance of, of fulfilling a mitzvah at its earliest possible time. So we said that the, the carrying it and the transporting it from far away, so that also you're not allowed to do on Shabbos. You're allowed to cut off a wart from an animal that's going to be sacrificed in the base of Mikdash. But not outside of the base of Mikdash. Because outside of the base of Mikdash, you're not allowed to do. The im, bikli, but if you're using a vessel, a knife to cut it off, kanda kanda, so it's forbidden both inside the base of Mikdash and outside the base of Mikdash. They say that both of them are talking about when you're cutting it off with your hand. So it's got to be referring to then when you're using a lecha, a, the, the wort is a wort that still has moisture, so it's not considered to be completely dead. One of them is referring to when it is dry. Okay? So in our Mishnah, it's referring to a lecha, a wort that is still moist. So even removing it by hand, which is only forbidden on a rabbinic level, because it's not going to be malachas machsheves. The significant type of doing the malacha is obviously going to be using a knife, which is a typical way to remove a word. So you're not doing it in the regular way. It's going to be the drabanan. Still, it is forbidden according to these two opinions if it is still moist. But if it's already dried out, then indeed it is permitted. And one of them says that both of them are referring to where it's still moist. One of them is referring to where you cut it off with your hand, one of them is referring to where you cut it off with a knife. According to one who says that this is referring to your hand and this is referring to with a cleave. Why didn't he want to say that both of them are referring to where it's done with your hand, and one of them where it's still wet, and one of them where it's not wet? Yevesha, it, it's not even called, when, it, when it's already dried out, causing a wart that's already dried out to, to, to leave the skin is not even called cutting it off, right? It's completely, it's not really attached anymore. It's just, you know, mushing it off. According to one who says that both of them are referring to where you used your hand, one of them is talking about where it's still wet, and one of them is talking about where it's already dried out. My time, what's the reason? Why didn't he say that they're both referring to cases where it's still wet? That's not a question. One time it's with your hand, one time it's with a vessel. I'm a lach, so he say to you, Kli, a vessel, hakatani hasam. The Tana taught over there, im bikli, kan vekan asr. If it's with a vessel, both times it's asr. So therefore you don't need any mission to teach you this. The idach and the other opinion, hadiktani kli. So that, the reason why he's taught about using a vessel, right, hacha, plukta de rebelezer, reb Yeshua, aslash minan. He wanted to teach us the machlekes, reb Yeshua, and reb Yeshua. Rabbi Lezer said, well, if the shechita itself is permitted on Shabbos, which is for sure a clear malacha da'araisa, then certainly the shvash should be permitted. Rabbi Yeshua, let them, Rabbi Yeshua argues because he's going according to his own reason. Because he says, Simchas yamtif nami mitzvahi, being joyful on yamtif is a mitzvah, right? The Tanya we learned in Rabbi Lezer, Rabbi Lezer says, 
on Yom Tif, you have one of two things to do. Either you should be eating and drinking, or you should be sitting and learning Torah, right? Split it in half. Rabbi Shua says, no, you're supposed to be focusing on both your Gashmias on Yom Tif and also your Ruchmias on Yom Tif, right? Both of them should be in play. And both of them are learning this out from one pasuk. So, cost of one pasuk teaches us ataras Hashem it shall be an ataras an assembly to Hashem your God. Cost of another pasuk says ataras it should be an ataras for you. What is this pasuk referring to? It's referring to the pasuk of um, of Shuas. and it tells you it should be for you or for Hashem. It should either be either make your decisions this year all party this year all learning Torah. Rabbi Shua Saver, Chilkeyu, with telling you, no, it should be split in half. Should be thinking partially of, of focusing on the enjoyments in this world and partially on the enjoyments of connecting to Hashem. That's why we always try to do both, right? In Yamtif, we always have extra learning opportunities. And we also always try, you know, there's a mitzvah that meat and wine. Um, there is a mitzvah on Shabbos, of what we call Einik Shabbos, right? Which means to have some level of enjoyment, to have some level of delicacies. But there's not a mitzvah to have Simchas Shabbos. The mitzvah of Simchas Yamtiv is limited to Yamtiv. Everybody agrees that in Atzeres and Shavuos, to be in a Nami Lechem, that you certainly also need to be involved in doing things for yourself. My time, what's the reason? It's the day that the Torah was given, right? Fascinating idea, right? When the day that Torah is given, therefore we have to do something for ourselves. You would think the opposite, right? The day that Torah is given, of course that's the day when you need to be focused on Hashem's Torah and learn Torah the whole day. No, the answer is that there needs to be an, a spontaneous and, and, and complete uproar of um, an eruption of joy in the physical world because we have the Torah, right? It's a completely different enjoyment of the physical world. Amar Rabbah. I call my Shabbos. Everybody agrees by Shabbos to be in a Nami Lechem that you also have to be somewhat dedicated for yourselves, right? My time, as it says, the Karas the Shabbos Einik, and we call Shabbos a delicacy or delight. Omer Rav Yisuf says, I call my Purim to be in a Nami Lechem. Everybody agrees that on Purim you should be focused on yourselves too. My time, and you may miss the Vasimcha It says explicitly it has to be days of celebration and happiness. Marbari the Ravina. Kula Mar, the son of Ravina, the entire year he would sit in Tainesim, except for Atzeres, Upiraya, and on Purim, and also Erev Yom Kippur. These are three days that he would not fast, because these are days that the mitzvah to eat. By the way, this year on Purim, I mean, I don't know who we can invite, but uh, but my whole family will be very, very safe because we're all going to have had COVID and we'll all be very safe house. But the problem is we can't really invite anybody, so uh, I don't know what we're going to do. Um, Last year we had a fun forum party, that's all. Umala Yemen de Kipuri. At Saras, at Saras, Shuas, Yem Shinitna Beitera. It's a day in which the Torah is given, and first we have to party. Puraya, Yemen Mishta Vasimcha Ksebe. It says explicitly that it should be days of Simcha and and uh, and myth and partying and and happiness. Mala Yemen de Kipuri, Arab Yem Kippur, the Tani Chia by Rabbi Difti. Then Nisim is Nashisechem and Kishal Achadish. It says you shall you shall uh, cause yourself to be um, um, afflicted on the ninth day of the Chaydesh uh, Tishrei. Now, what do you mean? And is it true that we fast on ninth of day of, of, of Tishrei? You don't fast on the ninth, you fast on the tenth. If you eat properly on Arab Yom Kippur, it's as if you have fasted both on Arab Yom Kippur and Yom Kippur itself. That is a big question, exactly why that is so. Is that because through eating on Arab Yom Kippur, you are making yourself better prepared for actually fasting properly on Yom Kippur? Or is it related to the fact that, that you're showing that as far as I'm concerned, 
whatever Hashem commands me to do, I do equally, right? So that's really all you need to do is really to, to achieve a level of, of adherence to the mitzvahs. If Yosef if Yosef on Shavuos, Amar, he would say, Abdili Egla Tlasa, get me the a third born calf, which is the third calf born to his mother, or perhaps it means the, um, the a calf that's three years old. Amar, Eloi Hayama, Dikagarim, if not for this day, right? Kama Yosef Ekabashuka, there's so many Yosefs in the Shuk, right? What separates me from everybody in the Shuk is only because of the Torah. So therefore, I have to celebrate extra much on Shavuos. Shesh is called Tlasa Yemen. Rosh is all 30 days. He would learn all his Torah every 30 days. And he would go and stand on the doorway. And he would say, My heart rejoices, my heart rejoices. I read the Torah for you and I read the Mishnah for you. I say over the Mishnah for you. Is it so? If not for the Torah, the world would not would not be around, right? The world would disappear. says, If I had not for my bris day and night, I wouldn't have put the the chukas, the, the laws of Shemaim and Aretz in place. So in other words, if not for the Torah itself, I wouldn't have put the, the, the laws of heaven and earth in place. The, the rules of nature would be suspended if not for the Torah. Initially, when someone learns Torah, he does it for his own sake. And then later on, he realizes he's doing it for Hashem's sake. According to that, which Rabbi Yezer says that Anyam Tov is also a Rishos, that having the, the party Anyam Tov is only a Rishos. Islay, Pircha, one could ask a question. When we permit doing Malacha, even though it's only for a Rishos, it's only for a, a something that you're allowed to, you don't have to do it. And but you're not allowed to do only even rabbinic prohibitions. You're not allowed to do Shabbos. You're only allowed to do any malacha if it is a malacha shel mitzvah. If it's a malacha of something that's necessary for a mitzvah, otherwise it's not allowed to be done at all. And Is it not then obvious that if there's a rabbinic prohibition along with it, certainly it's not permitted? Because if even on Tif, only only certain mitzvahs are permit, only only certain um, violations are permitted. Right, and even though the certain violations that are permitted, right, are only permitted when it's for a rishus, right, for something that's optional. But on Shabbos, that we're not not permitted to do anything unless it's actually for a mitzvah mamish, then certainly you're not allowed to do rabbinic ordinances for just the rishus. Turning the page, right. So let's go now. For the mitzvah would say that violating a rabbinic prohibition for a mitzvah is more important. So although a shavuz is not permitted on Yom Tif, it still is permitted on Shabbos, because on Shabbos you're talking about violating a shavuz for the sake of a mitzvah. On Yom Tif you're talking about violating a shavuz for the sake of a rishos, of something that's only optional, that's not permitted. Tanya, we learned in the Bible. I'm going to really answer. Umali imdachu machshire mitzvah shalach hashchit as a Shabbos. What difference does it make if you're allowed to do things, right, that are after the mitzvah and are only for the sake of helping fulfill the mitzvah, right? You're still allowed to push off Shabbos, right? The isavid le mitzvah, la yedchu machshire mitzvah shalafnei Shabbos. If you're allowed to even clean the innards of the animal, right, for the sake of uh, of the preparing of the carbon after the shechita ready to place, certainly you should be allowed to do the mitzvahs that are necessary to prepare everything for the shechita. That certainly should push off Shabbos. Amalei Rebbe Kiva says, What difference does it make to me if the things that are able to 
prepare for the proper uh, um, processing of the mitzvah that they could be done if they are the things that are after the shechita pushes off Shabbos. Sharei adach shechita as a Shabbos. Well, shechita already pushed off Shabbos. The mitzvah shechita already pushed off Shabbos. So does that then therefore follow that also the things that are in the preparation for the mitzvah that are coming before the shechita, they should also push up the Shabbos? Because the shechita at that point has not yet pushed up Shabbos. In other words, when you're already engaged in the mitzvah and you already did the shechita, the shechita is already pushed off Shabbos. Once you're engaged in this process that already pushed off Shabbos, maybe you continue doing other things. Before you've engaged in that part of the mitzvah, maybe it doesn't push up Shabbos. Another way to say this, maybe you'll find that the carbon was a carbon puzzle. So you're allowed to push off the, the you can push off afterwards, you can push off Shabbos in, even in the preparation of the mitzvah, because then you know for sure that this carbon was brought properly, because you already checked it and it's a good carbon. But beforehand, you can't push off Shabbos for doing uh, certain types of malachas to, to repair the carbon, right? Because maybe it will end up being a nakasha carbon anyways. Come out that retroactively you pushed off Shabbos invalid in a, you know in an invalid way. You also shouldn't shecht an animal on Shabbos. Why? Maybe you'll find the carbon is possible. Come out that you did the you violated Shabbos retroactively. So rather he told him this far first and he asked him this question. And that's when he said to him, what difference does it make to me if something will push off the mitzvah afterwards, right? What difference does it make if that's true, if, if uh, maybe, only, maybe, only, um, maybe only afterwards, but not beforehand? Hashem responds and says, right, that the sprinkling should disprove it. Tanya, we learned in a brisa, expands on this argument. Right, you answer me with a machlek with a point that you made from shechita. The shechita tehem misasei. With shechita should be your death. Right. In other words, he he's not really saying um, he's not he's saying it in a way that's a little bit more of a bedicha, a little bit more of a joke. But he's saying you tried to make a point to me with shechita. So on a play on words, he's saying with shechita will end up being his death. Right. It's a way of saying that your argument will be will be disproved. Amalei, you said to him, Rebbe, al tachbireni v'shasadin. Right? So basically what Rabbi Kiva says to Rabbi Lezer is, listen, Rabbi, Rabbi Lezer is Rabbi Kiva's Rabbi. Listen, do not, uh, do not tachbireni, do not uh, be kaifer, do not deny what I am saying at the time of judgment. mimcha, I have accepted this from you. Haza is only a rabbinic prohibition. And still doesn't push up Shabbos. And since you taught it to me, right, he taught it to me, my time at what's the reason Rabbi Lezer came back on this anyways, if he had already taught this to the Rebbe Kiva in the past. Amr Ula, Rebbe Lezer, ki agmare haza, the truma agmare. When Rebbe Lezer taught him this thing, he only taught him about the, the halacha of the haza for the sake of the truma. For the sake of, um, for, um, for truma, he had taught him this halacha. The truma gufa leidach Shabbos. Because truma itself doesn't push up Shabbos. So Rebbe Lezer said, if the truma doesn't push up Shabbos, then someone who is a kayan who is tame and wants to eat truma certainly cannot be sprinkled on for the sake of allowing him to eat truma on Shabbos. Rekiva Nami, Rekiva also, Ki when he was asking him a question, Hazah the truma Isfei, he's also asking him from the Hazah for truma, for the sake of truma. Shei mitzvah, because it's a mitzvah for the kayan to eat truma. And it's only forbidden on a rabbinic level to get to get sprinkled. Hazah the Pesach and and Rebbe Lezer thought that he was asking him from the Hazah of Pesach. Okay? 
Masiv Rabba. Rabba then comes and, and says, I don't understand what, what this Gemara is doing. Heishev Rebbe Kiva, Ve'amar. Rebbe Kiva answered and said, Hazah, Hazah, Tome Meis Dechiach. The Hazah, the sprinkling of a Tome Meis, should disprove it. Shachal Shvi Shalei Liyaz Let's say someone is Tome Meis, and he has to get sprinkled on the third day after his exposure and the seventh day after his exposure, right? You know, so the equivalent of getting your, your, um, your, um, your Corona test, right? So he has to get tested on the seventh day, not tested, I'm sorry. He has to get uh, sprinkled on the seventh day. And it fell out on Shabbos. It's also Erev Pesach. And it's a mitzvah. The reason why he needs to get sprinkled is so that he'll end up being allowed to eat the garment Pesach. It's a mitzvah to eat the garment Pesach. And the only prohibition is only on a rabbinic level. So rather, he had even taught him about the hazah, the sprinkling of the, uh, of the, for someone to allow them to eat the garment Pesach. And since he had taught it to him, since Rabbi Lezer had taught it to him, my time at Kaparach, Rabbi Lezer, so then what's Rabbi Lezer arguing for? Rabbi Lezer, Gamre is accurate. Rabbi Lezer had forgotten the Torah that he had learned. For us, Rabbi Kiva, Gamre. And Rabbi Kiva wanted to remind him of the Torah that he had learned. Let him just tell him explicitly, you taught me this in the past. It's not the proper way to teach your Rebbe something that he taught you in the past and say, Rebbe, you already taught me yourself. That's not the proper way to do it. You want to try to Stimulate them to come to the recognition on their own without saying explicitly, you taught me this and forgot. And what indeed is the reason that the Hazad does not override Shabbos? Mechti, come and see. So Tuleba Amu, really it's only in a it's only moving something, right? So if it's only moving, it should not be a malacha, titchi Shabbos Mishan Pesach. Then why can't we push off Shabbos for the sake of a government Pesach? The concern is perhaps they'll end up sprinkling someone after having moved the water for Amas in the public domain that's forbidden on a Torah level. According to Rebelezer, and Avre, let him carry it. Because Rebelezer says that Machshiri Mitzvah pushes off Shabbos. So according to Rebelezer, why indeed can't he carry it? So they said, That's only true when the person himself is already able to do the mitzvah. And he has the mitzvah. And then the question is, there's a technical problem to stopping him from fulfilling the mitzvah. Then it pushes off. Over here, this person is not in a state of being able to fulfill the mitzvah eating the Karim Pesach. It's currently his stomach. So it's only after he becomes taller that he'll be able to eat it. Then there's no chiyuv at all. And then maybe it doesn't push off Shabbos. According to Rabbi Eliezer, if you have a katan, who is a barrier who is healthy, right? And he is healthy enough to have a brisk meal on Shabbos. You're allowed to heat up water for him, to give him a bath, strengthen him with Shabbos, and to give him a brisk meal on Shabbos. Because it's, because it's uh, somebody who is it's in the category of being right for him, appropriate for him. However, if you have a cotton who is sick, then you're not allowed to heat up water for him. Because it's not fit for him right now. So then, therefore, there's no reason to try to make him stronger. He can't have a brisk meal on Shabbos anyways. But if he's strong, if he's strong, then why does he need that order to make him stronger? Everybody, every baby is considered sick in connection to a brisk meal. Someone who is a uh, baby, whether he is a healthy baby or a non-healthy baby, you cannot heat up hot water for him on Shabbos to, to heat him up or to do the, the circumcision. Because it's not really something that's appropriate for him. Aral, right, 
who was not circumcised, right? So you have someone who is a, a, an adult who did not yet get circumcised, right? Einish kares. He's going to get an einish kares for not having circumcised himself and therefore not being able to eat the karma pesach. What do you mean? At this point, he's someone who's not in the category of eating the karma pesach because he's currently ritually uh, un, unfit because he's not circumcised. Ugutani einish kares. And still we say that the punishment is going to be kares. Alma rami So we see that he already does have a chiyuv on himself. So Rebbe Lezer holds that we do not shecht the carbon Pesach and throw its blood, right, for someone who is Tamei Sharetz, for someone who is Tamei from touching a Sharetz. And anything for which if it was an individual, we would push him off until the second Pesach. But Sibor Abdi Batoma. Well, then the community will end up doing it in a state of ritual impurity, right? Anything that is going to be relevant for the congregation will also be relevant for the individual. Anything that's not relevant for the tzibor is not going to be relevant for the yachet, for the individual. Arelos, the state of being uncircumcised, the as if the entire community is currently in a state of arelos where they're not circumcised, we would say to them, Kumu, get up. Mahulu nafshaychu, get up right now and go do circumcision. Babidu pischa, and go bring a karma pesach. Yachin nami, amrin and lay, kum mal, so do an individual, we should say, get up right now and go get circumcision. Baba pischa, and bring a karma pesach. Viloy mal, the avid ainish karis. And if he doesn't do it, then his ainish is going to be karis. Tuma, the e, but in the case of tuma, the e, kule tibura tmeyaninu, lay, madinan alayu, ala abdi betuma. Well, if the entire tibor is in a state of tumma, we don't sprinkle them. What do we do? We just say, bring the karma pesach in a state of tumma. Yachanami pater. Well, then someone who is an individual who has become tummy mace should also be pater. Amalei Ravuna, Bredar of Yeshua, the Rav. Ravuna, the son of Yeshua, says to Rav. Bredar pesach sheni, the less of a tibor. Pesach sheni is not brought as the entire tibor, as the entire community. And it is brought as an individual's bring it. Amalei, so he says back to him, right? So we see that individuals in tibor are not always talis abazeh. Amalei, says back to him, Shani Yasim is different over there. The Avadei Tzibura Barishan, because the entire Karban, the entire community already brought the Karban in the beginning, first Pesach. So that's why it's not going to be relevant to the second Pesach. Meisve, the Gemara asks a question. You might have thought that the only person who is Einish Karis is someone who is Tahor, right, in a state of ritual purity, and is not far away. How do you know that someone who is in Aral, uncircumcised, or someone who is Tameh, but is not far away, but is Tameh? How do you know that he also gets Einish Kares for not having uh, purified himself properly? Tameh, it says, Ish, says, and the man. It says, Vaha Ish is teaching you, from the fact that it goes back to Tameh Sharetz, someone who became Tameh from touching a Sharetz, it's coming to teach you that we do not Shech, and we do not do the sprinkling for someone who is Tamei Sharet. Because if indeed we would Shech and do the sprinkling for someone who's just Tamei Sharet, then why do I need a Pasuk for him? Hainu, Tahor. Right? This is the same thing as a category of someone who's Tahor. Right? In other words, if you were already able to Shech for him previously, then he's already in the category of someone who's in a state of purity. So we see that even though right now he's not Chazi, he still has a Chiyav to do it. The Avagav, the less of a tzibar, and even though this is not the case by a tzibar, by an entire community, and the entire community, then we don't do hazah. And yet still we do so in the case of a yachid, an individual. Elam and Rava, so therefore Rava says, the Savar Rebbe 
And Eliezer holds, Shechatin bezarkin, you're allowed to shecht and you're allowed to be zerik, you're allowed to sprinkle al tamei sharetz, for someone who is in a state of tamei sharetz. Huadin la tamei meis bishvi shalai. And so too for someone who is tamei meis on the seventh day. So hazah lemais, so then what's the need for the hazah, for the sprinkling in the first place? Lachilos, that he will be, he'll be able to eat it. Because it's true, you could do the shechita, you could do the, 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 um, the zrika, the throwing of the blood, but he can't eat it yet. So why do you need to do the hazah, the sprinkling? Because otherwise he can't eat it. Achilas pesachim le'ma'akba, one second. Eating of the karma pesach is not ma'akib. It's not going to invalidate the carbon if you don't eat, right? What do you mean? There's a problem here. The problem is that the carbon pesach was shechted for people who can't eat from it, and that's not going to work. When it says it cannot be shechted for those who can't eat it, it says for those who are sick and for those who are old. They're physically, uh, physical uh, in, infirmities. Aval, hi. But this one has no physical issues. It just happens to be he's still in a state of ritual impurity. Maybe that's not a problem at all. Kiva has a principle. Anything that could have been done from Arab Pesach does not push off Shabbos. So do we learn the Mishnah like this by, by Mila, the laws of Mila. Any malach which could be done on Erev Shabbos, and its bris mila comes on the eighth day, it is Shabbos, right? You cannot push off Shabbos if it could have been done before Shabbos. The actual bris mila is a malacha, but still, since you could not have done an Erev Shabbos, you do it on Shabbos. We need both places. We would have said by Pesach that if you could have done an Arab on Arab Arab Pesach and you didn't, it doesn't push off. Awesome. Over there, it's only the Machshire Mitzvah, the preparations for the Mitzvah, it doesn't push off Shabbos. The reason why we pass on that it doesn't push off is because the carbon Pesach does not have 13 covenants written about it, as we learned in Mesech the Shabbos. There's 13 different places in the Torah where Hashem says, I make a covenant with you over the Brismila. Aval Mila, the Nechtsolashlesha Esrei precise, but Miss Mila, where it 13 places it says this is the special covenant. Amalitchi, maybe even Erbekiva would agree that the preparations also push up Shabbos. The Ashmina Mila, if I would have only said it by Mila, that doesn't push up Shabbos, Allah is like Erbekiva. If you didn't, if you something you could have prepared on Arab Shabbos, you didn't. Also, move the Machshiri Mitzvah, Leidach Shabbos. Over there, it doesn't push up Shabbos. The preparations don't push up Shabbos. Why? Like a Kares, because there's no punishment of Kares for not doing the Bismillah on the right time. When it comes to cover Pesach, if you don't do it in the right time, get Kares. So maybe it's more stringent. And maybe over there, maybe over there, we don't pass in the Kiva. So Tzricha, therefore, we need to say in both places, we pass in the Kiva. Then in both of these scenarios, if you could have done an error of Shabbos and you didn't, you're not allowed to do it. Zuck the Mishnah. When do you get to bring a carbon Chagiga together with the carbon Pesach, right? The carbon Chagiga in general was brought on every Yom right? When it comes during the week, when Pesach falls out during the week, but Tahara in a state of purity, and when there are small pieces of meat, if it's on Shabbos, right? If it's in large portions, or if people are in a state of don't bring a karma chagiga with it, right? In other words, you only need to bring a chagiga during the week, you bring a chagiga no matter what. But on Shabbos, don't bring a chagiga unless it's absolutely necessary to fulfill the mitzvah. Karma Chagig was brought from sheep, from, uh, from beef, 
from lambs, umin ha'izim, or from goats. Min ha'scharam, from males, min ha'nekebas, from females, min ha'chalas, n'shnei yam, v'layla echad. It was eaten for two days and one night. Ma'itana diktani chagiga. What's going on over here that all of a sudden we start learning about the carbon chagiga, right? What's the connection to the previous Mishnah? We talked earlier about the bringing and the carrying of the carbon So therefore, once we're teaching that, we say, oh, this is why the, con- the connection is. When do you bring a chagiga together with the carbon Pesach? When it comes during the regular, regular weekday, people are purity, or people are, are, not, are not having, there's very little meat that each person can be eating from the carbon Pesach. Then you bring a karma chagiga even on Shabbos. Amravashi, Shmami, na chagiga sarbaaser. Learn from here that chagiga is supposed to be brought on the 14th day. Lab chayvihi, that it's not an obligation to be brought on the 14th. These lagadaita chayvihi, by turning the page, as if we would have thought that it is a chayva, it's an obligation to be brought on the 14th specifically. Tesi, b'shabbos, let him bring it on Shabbos. Betesi, b'meruba, and let him bring it even if it's multiple and the, there's large portions for each individual. Betesi, b'toma, let him bring it even if people are in a state of toma. Uba muat, miu. My time asks you, why is it that when the carbon Pesach is very, uh, very, uh, a, uh, the carbon Pesach ratio of people to meat is very large and everybody's going to get a very small portion? Why do we bring the carbon Chagiga even on Shabbos? Because the Tanya was going to the Brisa. Chagiga Abba and Ma Pesach Necheles Tchila. Chagiga that is eaten with the carbon Pesach is eaten first. Kedeshiye Pesach Nechel Ala Seba. So that the carbon Pesach should be eaten in a state of satiety, right? You should not be starving when you eat the carbon Pesach. You're supposed to already be somewhat full. Benechel Sashne Yam Mapalu. And it is eaten for two days. Okay. New Mishnah. The loy kebentema, right? Mishnah is not like bentema. The Tanya, we learned in a Baisa. Bentema, Eimer. Bentema says, Chagiga aba ama Pesach. If a Chagiga comes with the carbon Pesach, Harei kepesach. It's like the carbon Pesach. Bein in achalas eliyem velayla. And it can only be eaten for one day and one night. But our Mishnah taught that it can be eaten for two days and one night. Chagiga schamisha asar. And the Chagiga, the 15th, right? Um, the Chagiga, the 15th, is eaten for two days and one night. And the Chagiga of the 14th, with that, he is, fulfills his mitzvah of simcha, of rejoicing. But he does not fulfill the mitzvah of bringing a carbon Chagiga. My time in the Bentema, what's the reason for Bentema? Like Rav taught Chia, his son. He should not leave over for the morning. The carbon that is brought on Pesach. Zevach Chag, the carbon of the Chag. Ze Chagiga, that's the carbon Chagiga. A Pesach Kimashmoi, it says of the Pesach, of the holiday. Bamarach, one of the Pesach says, Loyal, and you're not allowed to leave it over. So referring to also the carbon, the carbon Chagiga that's brought on Pesach. The Bailu, the Gemara then asked, Lebentema. According to Ben Tema, that you're comparing the carbon Pesach to the carbon Chagiga in terms of how long it's eaten for, do you also compare it in terms of that it can only be eaten roasted and not eaten not roasted? Is that also true? When they compare the carbon Chagiga to the carbon Pesach, is that only being compared in terms of how long it can be left over for? You can only eat it for one night and not for two nights. But when it comes to Tzli, when it comes to eating it roasted only, then indeed we are not comparing it. Ay Dilma, or do we say Laishna? We don't com- we, we indeed we compare it for all these laws. Tashma, come in here, Pooh. Alayla Hazeh, Kulay sleep. It says that on this night everything shall be eaten roasted. What is this referring to? Right? This is referring to in, in the Manishtana, right? The Manishtana, that was one of the questions that they asked in the times of the Besamikdash, as we will learn in the Mishnah later on. 
that on tonight we only eat it roasted, right? We know the minic today is that we don't eat meat roasted on, on uh, at that night, right? But in the in the times of the Manishtana, when the carbon pesach was being brought, that was one of the questions. So we see that all the meats are eaten roasted. So you see that indeed, even the carbon the carbon chagikas eaten roasted on pesach. Indeed, this is the words of Bentema. Shmami, now we see from here that indeed he holds that it's similar for all halachas. According to Bentema, can it be brought from the cattle or can it only be brought from sheep and goats as the government Pesach can be brought? Can it be brought from even female animals or only from male animals like the government Pesach? Can it be brought from a two year old animal or only from a one year old animal like the government Pesach? Does it only compare it in terms of how long it can be eaten for and what manner of eating, what manner of roasted can it be, right? But for everything else, not. Or do we say no difference? Tashma, come in here, another group. That is brought with the Pesach. It is like the Garmin Pesach. It comes from sheep. It cannot come from animals, it comes from cattle. It comes from male animals. It's not female animals. It can only come if it's one year old or less, right? And that one is two years old. It can only be eaten for one day and one night. It can only be eaten roasted. It can only be eaten also as a special halacha. The karma chagiga of Pesach can only be eaten for people who have been registered to eat it previously. Who is it that holds of all these faras? It's We see from here that believes that everything has to be similar. What about the Allah of that you're not allowed to let a bone break while you're eating this Karma Pesach, right? Why didn't you let a bone break, right? So the reason why you don't let a bone break when you're in the Karma Pesach is we're supposed to be eating like wealthy people. Wealthy people do not break bones to get at the marrow. Even though the Torah compares it to Karma Pesach, Omar Kra, it says in the Pesach, boy. Only in the carbon Pesach, it says, You're not allowed to break the bone of the carbon Pesach, but not the carbon Pesach. Or do we say, Maybe when it says, what it's telling you is that only if the carbon Pesach is a kosher carbon Pesach, then you don't break the bones. But if it's not if it's not kosher, then indeed you can break the bones. Tashma, come on here, Pooh. Second Shinnam says, If you found a knife on the 14th day of Nisan, you're allowed to slaughter immediately. You don't, you don't, you don't have to be worried that perhaps it's tummy. Because if it was tummy, the owner would have uh, put it into the mikvah on the 13th. If you find it on the 13th, then you should indeed be shayna. You should go repeat the uh, the tefillah, right? If you find the kaifetz, the kaifetz is like the cleaver that you use for chopping. On both of these days, you should go back and re-immerse it. Mani, whose opinion is this, right? That you're not allowed to, that you don't even break it, uh, uh, the karma chagika. If it's going to the Rabbanon, Maishna Sakin, the Matbal, why is it that when it comes to the knife, you can assume that it was already immersed, the Chazila Pesach, because it's, it's something that can be used for the karma Pesach. Then a Kaifet should also be assumed that it's Tahar. The cleaver should also be assumed to be Tahar. A Chazila Chagika. Then you can indeed use it for the breaking of the bones of the Chagiga. Elalav. The Bentema, he must be the opinion of Bentema. Shema, I mean, we see from here, he even holds that even the carbon Chagiga has the the um, the, the prohibition of breaking the bones. Indeed, it could be the opinion of the Chachamim. It could be a case where Ere Pesach fell out on Shabbos. And the fact that it says in the in the end that if the 14th falls out on Shabbos, then you shaft it right away. 
and on the 15th, you shecht it right away. Let's say you find a kaifetz, the cleaver, tied right next to the knife that you use for the shechting. Then it has the same halach as the sakin. So even if you found it on the 14th, on a weekday, you're still allowed to shecht with the, the knife immediately, because since they, these two things were tied together, they must have been stuck into the mikvah at the same time. This would imply that the, that the beginning case, which says that you do need to make a second uh, tefillah, second dipping, is not the amount of case where you found it on Shabbos. So rather, it must be that what happened is that the case is like this. The carbon Pesach came, it was very few people who were supposed to be eating a carbon Pesach. So each of them was going to get quite a bit of meat. And therefore, there was no reason to shak the carbon Pesach. Right. How does the person who finds this, how is he supposed to figure out how many people were supposed to be eating this carbon Pesach? That therefore he can actually shecht, right, the, the, this chopper, right? Remember, the cleaver can only be used for chopping the meat of the, of the Chagiga. So you can't assume that this person was intending to, to shecht the Chagiga because maybe the person who this cleaver was belongs to had already shechted a carbon Pesach that would leave over a lot of meat. For each individual, and therefore, since it's on, on Shabbos, you can't shach the Chagiga. So rather, the case is like this. The Karman Pesach was brought in a state of Toma. And if the Karman Pesach is the only thing that pushes off, Karman Pesach is the only thing that pushes off the fact that everybody is Tameh, we do, we bring the Karman Pesach, even though everybody's Tameh. But when everybody's Tameh, you don't bring a Karman Chagiga. So that's why you were able to assume that you know for sure that they're not going to be bringing Karman Chagiga because everyone is in a state of Toma. Okay. We're going to stop over here. Uh, you guys will have to finish the 70 um, over Shabbos. Take care, everyone. Have a great night. Be well. Thanks. Shalom. Shalom. And happy birthday to everyone. It's birthday.